I love the fact that you're here this morning, uh, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey with God. Uh, I love the fact that we get together in a mall like this and, and, and connect and, and take our next step, learning about who God is and getting to know one another as a church family. And so one of the things we talk about here at Mission Life is that our whole purpose is about inspiring people to follow Jesus and fearlessly change the world. And the reason why we believe that, and that's our mission, is because Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, I have come to bring you life, and life to the full, life abundant. And so we believe that a relationship with Jesus is actually the kind of life that we all ultimately long for, but we need to understand what that actually looks like, and where is a safe environment for us to process that, and to walk alongside other people to do that. Mission life is that place, so we love the fact that you are here today, wherever you're at. Well, today, what we're doing, we are wrapping up our three-part series called Model Homes. And it's like, why on earth would we call this series Model Homes? Well, one of the things that I think most of us appreciate about going and touring into a model home is the fact that as you walk in, you see all the upgrades, you see the furnishings, and you're thinking to yourself, wow, my life would be so much better if I had this home. I mean, this is a huge upgrade for me. And we love model homes because it kind of helps us dream about the unlimited possibilities for our lives. We want our families, our friends to experience and thrive in community. And when we think about model homes, we think of that. But what if God had a model home in mind for you? And it was specifically to have you in a vibrant and intimate relationship with him that ultimately God's model home is in vibrant connection with him as a part of his family, that ultimately that's how he designed us and desires for us to thrive. Now, I know in a room this size, you know, we're, some of us, we're just checking Jesus out. We're just like, I don't know, I'm just kind of wandering around. I stopped by LA Fitness. I got a donut here. I'm excited to be here, but I don't even know about this Jesus. I'm not even sure about this whole thing, so I don't know. That's okay, but the idea that the Bible talks about over and over and over again is this whole idea of this God that is relentlessly pursuing us and that ultimately he designed us to in incorporate us into his family and yet we struggle to believe in who this God is and we continue to think man there's way other better ways to live my life than with a relationship with God so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at a little bit more about who this God is that is inviting us into relationship with himself. And so what we've been doing is we've been looking at the character of God. Because what often keeps us from going to God is we have misconceptions, misunderstandings of what God is like. You talk to anybody out on the street, you go, hey, who do you think God is? People say all kinds of things, right? He's an impersonal force. It's an impersonal force. You know, uh, there's many gods you can choose from. It's whatever you want to believe. I mean, we just have all these different ideas of what, who God is like. But when we look in the Bible, we find that God is actually three in one. God is the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is Trinity. He is triune in his character and his nature. Now, this is mind-blowing. It's confusing to us. We're, some of us are still waking up. You know, we're still like the coffee hasn't hit us yet. But today, we're going to talk about the third person of the Godhead, and that is the Trinity, a part of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit. And so as we look at the Holy Spirit, here's something we're going to learn. We're going to actually learn that the Holy Spirit is a vital part of God's way of connecting us into his family and living this incredible life as a part of his family moving forward, and we'll see why. Now, let me ask you, for, so, for some of you, you are parents or you have had children in your life. 
Uh, and some of you have obviously been growing up in, in your different homes when you were growing up. Let me ask you this question. When you were growing up, what did you want most from your parents? What did you want most from your parents? I'll answer for you. Here's what you wanted. You wanted freedom. Freedom. That's what you wanted. You wanted freedom to do all kinds of things. Freedom to, 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 to stare at your iPhones, to play on a screen all day long, to take the car out with your friends, to go spend your summer day doing whatever you wanted with whomever you wanted, and if you were lucky, to spend as much money as possible on your parents' dime as well. I mean, we think of freedom like this, do we not? And so oftentimes when we look at our life, we realize, you know what? That was kind of what my, that's what my kids kind of want to do. That's what I wanted to do. But even as we grow older in our life, we realize that's kind of what I like to do as well. I think freedom is just the ability to go and do all the things that I want to do and, and have unlimited resources to do it. So this is the thing. We think of, when we think of freedom, we think like this. And what happens is we often get really frustrated when we feel like other people are infringing on our freedom or trying to limit our freedom. We get angry, we get frustrated, we're like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be free to kind of do what I want. And that's one of the reasons why we live here. We love living in this country because we have all these amazing freedoms. But here today, notice this. Jesus talks differently about this whole idea of freedom and it's connected with the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit. And one of the things that Jesus says is he says, Man, our understanding of freedom can reveal how much we actually aren't free at all. And maybe today, God is wanting to stir in you and me to take another step into the kind of freedom in the life that God ultimately has for us. Now, if you are new to the Bible, that's okay. You can look at the top of your bulletin. You can follow up on screen. But look at this in John chapter 8, verse 34. This is Jesus, and he's responding to, to some questions, and he says this. He says, truly I tell you, Everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. Now, what is sin exactly? Sin is a word all throughout the Bible that reflects uh, humans' desire to live separated and apart from God. It's doing things outside of God's original intended purpose and design. If God created us to have a vibrant relationship with him and to thrive, sin is living in a way that doesn't believe in his goodness, that doesn't believe in his love, and acts accordingly. And Jesus is saying something very shocking. He's saying, this is where freedom lies. It actually get, it lies in me. And what actually enslaves us is this thing called sin. And so oftentimes when we think about this definition of freedom in our life, we think it's about doing whatever we want. Jesus is saying, no, freedom actually, the kind of freedom that I have for you, has something to do with Jesus' work in us and the gifting of his Holy Spirit. Now, last week, if you were here, you would have heard a little bit more about the Son, God the Son, and you would have heard a lot about Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. And we learned last week that Jesus needed to leave his disciples to then send his Holy Spirit upon his people. And this, Jesus said, would be a very good thing, because this would be God's way of helping people live as his people in this broken and fallen world. And so notice what the Apostle Paul writes. He speaks about freedom from God in this way. He says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so the kind of freedom that God wants for us is so counterintuitive to what we often think. 
We think, oh, it's just about doing whatever I want. And this isn't the kind of freedom that God has for us. In fact, when we operate on that old definition or old way of thinking about freedom, it actually indicates that we might be enslaved to the things that we're chasing after. And so here's what I want us to notice today. Notice this in this verse. Paul uses the word Lord interchangeably with reference to Jesus and God the Father, and now he here mentions the Spirit. So we see right here that there is this unity within the Trinity. And why is that significant? We'll see here in a moment. But when you look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he brings us freedom from the power of this thing called sin and ultimately death, separation from God and separation from the life that God has. And so what does this actually look like? How does this freedom actually show up in our life when we say yes to Jesus? Because when we look at our lives, we're thinking, you know what? I feel pretty free. I I feel like I have a pretty good life. I can do kind of some of the things I want to do. And yet there's certain things that we all struggle with. We we struggle with fear. We we struggle with envy. We struggle with uh, wanting to control. We struggle with Uh, Things in our past that seem to kind of haunt our thoughts and we feel this weight of guilt and shame. There's these things that we don't really realize that we're connected to. In fact, in some ways we're enslaved to. And what God wants to help us understand this morning, I believe, is this. Is that we have freedom when we understand what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life in my life as we look at the scriptures today. So here's what we're going to do. We're looking at, we're going to look at four freedoms that the Holy Spirit brings to our lives and then how we can actually take another step in that freedom today. You are going to leave today feeling more free than you came in. And one of the things we're also going to do is we're going to turn the fan on because it's getting warm. Amen? Is anyone getting warm? Okay. Somebody, can you go turn the fan on? That would be great. So there's going to be wind. There's going to be some stuff going But I want you guys to stay awake. If you need to stand up, do some jumping jacks, I'm cool with that. Uh, But let's look at the four freedoms that the Holy Spirit wants to bring in our lives. First, if you're taking notes, notice this. We have a counselor. Thank you, Tanner. That feels so great. That feels so good. We have a counselor that frees us to salvation. We have a counselor that frees us to salvation. Now, in John 16, it's not in your notes, Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as a counselor. And the Greek word translated counselor doesn't have an exact equivalent in the English language. So counselor is just one of many ways we try to translate this word. But the Greek word means this. It means one who comes alongside another person to offer assistance. So paramedics. They come alongside to offer assistance. It's this same idea. They're somebody that's coming alongside to help us become who we were meant to be. And so Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit has to come because we're going to need a counselor. We're going to need this counselor to help us live out the kind of life that Jesus wants us to live. Now, for so many of us, we have this thing all warped in our understanding of God. Many of us have come from certain backgrounds and places where we think we have to somehow earn God's approval. We have to earn the right to become in right relationship with God. Or we have to continue to try and keep up our good deeds in order to keep God appeased. The Bible doesn't talk about it like that. 
In fact, we could never be good enough to achieve God's perfect standard. And God knows that. Oh, thank goodness. And so he sends us a helper when we place our faith in Jesus to live the kind of life that reflects him. This is huge. And so why do we need the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, without God's help, we all are stuck in a spiritual state of blindness. We're just blinded by our need for God. And so the Holy Spirit comes and he starts to stir our hearts to look towards him. So some of us, again, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey with God, you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. I've just been struggling and I've been looking for something and I've been really frustrated with the kind of way my life's been going. There's something going on in you that's driving you to explore who this God actually is. That's the Holy Spirit. That's a good thing. And, and he wants to draw us back to him. But part of that is having an honest understanding of how we stand before God. Because we can tend to minimize our guilt. We can kind of excuse our behavior a little bit. And we kind of point fingers and compare ourselves with other people. And, you know, just think about it with your kids. I, I got three girls, and they're amazing. And I love them so much. They're 10 and 6 and 4. Uh, but they are a bundle of estrogen. And so what happens in my life is just, I just get overwhelmed at times. And then there's screaming and crying happening. And I'm coming over, and I'm like, what is happening? Oh, my goodness. And what happens is this. One of them says, uh, she made me do it. Then the other one looks at the other one and said, they did it first. And then the other one says, they did it worse than I did. I mean, everyone's kind of looking to kind of excuse their guilt or minimize what's happening here. And we can do the same thing before God. And God says, I need to help you understand something. I love you too much to leave you alone. I love you too much to let you kind of minimize all those things. I actually care too much about you becoming the person I know you can be with my help. And so I'm going to keep coming at you. At you. I'm going to be relentless for you. I don't want you to miss out on the best life possible for you. I'm that committed to you. God is actually uh, addressing your FOMO more than you are. Okay? He's going, I don't want you to be afraid of missing out. I'm going to go after it. And that's what the Holy Spirit does with us. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, we see that the Holy Spirit, as our counselor, he actually penetrates our evasions. He actually shatters our defenses. He, he silences our excuses to show us we need God's 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So what's going on there is just basically this. Is that the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit, he is actually the one that opens up our hearts enough to take that next step of faith and say, I believe, Jesus. I believe that you're Lord. I believe that you're Savior. I want to give my life to you. Now, God doesn't force himself on us, but he continues to woo us by his spirit. It's ultimately our decision to respond to that wooing that Jesus is Lord. But this is the first freedom that the Holy Spirit wants to bring. And it's because he's a counselor to free us to salvation in him. 
to be delivered from our sin and our brokenness and that way of life. Second, with the Holy Spirit, what else do we have? What other freedom do we have? We have a guarantee that frees us to fail. We have a guarantee that frees us to fail. Now, hear me on this. This is not to abuse the guarantee, but this is an opportunity to recognize that because of the Holy Spirit, we have a guarantee that frees us up to make mistakes. I mean, we're, we're all imperfect people. We've made mistakes in the past, and for those of us who've placed our faith in Jesus, even though we've been forgiven, we continue to make mistakes. And the great news is this. The penalty for those mistakes has been all taken care of in his son, Jesus. And so that the Holy Spirit reminds us of that, and it frees us up. So some of us, we carry around this guilt. We're just like, oh my goodness, I'm just this, I've done that, I've done that. No, the Holy Spirit is our guarantee that frees us to fail. You made a mistake. Learn from it. I still love you. Oh, you're still one of mine. I'm with you. And we have this guarantee when we say yes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes into our life. Ephesians 1 says this. In him you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth. When you heard the good news about Jesus, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession through the praise of his glory. In other words, when the Holy Spirit comes in our life, it's like, Boom, we're marked. We belong to God. You know, to Toy Story 4 is coming out, okay? You guys really excited about this, some of you? No, not so much. Some of you have already seen it. All right, I don't know. But, but Toy Story is, 4 is coming out. And for those of you who don't know Toy, Toy Story, basically it's this story uh, about this doll named Woody and his relationship with all the other toys, but really his owner, Andy. And one of the things that's so fun about the story is just all the antics and all the adventures that they have. But at, at one part, at the very beginning of the series, Toy Story 1, we learn that he recognizes he belongs to Andy. And how does he know? You look on the bottom of his shoe and scrawled out letters is Andy's name on the bottom of his boot. Right? Right? Thank you, John. Thank you, Barbara. You got it. You're a Toy, Toy Story fan. So... In a similar way, when, when we say yes to Jesus, we get marked that we belong to God. In fact, the Holy Spirit is also described as a deposit, a down payment for what's to come. In other words, when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, God marks us and says, hey, you've got an amazing future secured forever. And nothing will ever take that away from you. You know, when we put a deposit down to pay for a car, you know, or, or, or get a house, we are committing to follow through on our commitment and make all those payments, right? Stuff happens, and life happens, and difficulties, and sometimes we can't. God says, that will never happen with me. When you have the Holy Spirit, you need to understand you are secure in your relationship. And for some of us, we've been abandoned in our life. We've been let down. The Holy Spirit is a great reminder. God will never let you down. Even when you find yourself disappointed in the highs and lows and tragedies and difficulties of life, God says, trust me. Your eternity is secure forever because of the Holy Spirit as your guarantee. This is the second freedom that the Holy Spirit offers to us. Third, with the Holy Spirit, we have a coach that frees us to grow. We have a coach that frees us 
to grow. I see a couple coaches in this room. Anybody a coach in this room? Coach, coach, coach. Anybody ever had coaches before? Yeah, absolutely. A ton of us, we understand the role of a coach. For some of us, we've had really good coaches. For others of us, not so much. And uh, we know the difference between a good coach and uh, a not-so-good coach. But when we have the Holy Spirit, we have a coach that frees us to grow. Notice in Galatians 5.25, the Apostle Paul says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What does that mean, keep in step with the Spirit? Well, the image of walking was another reference to having a life or way of believing and connecting with God. And so to live by the Spirit means that you have a vibrant connection and relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's a relationship. You know, a coach is hands-on with the athlete. A coach is very relational. A coach comes alongside and sees the strengths and the weaknesses of the athlete and says, okay, I've got a program or a process to help you minimize your weaknesses and really amplify your strengths. I am committed to see you thrive and to grow in ways that are tailored to you. The Holy Spirit's your coach. The Holy Spirit knows exactly the things that you struggle with. The Holy Spirit knows your next step to greater freedom in your relationship with God and away from the sins that kind of tend to tempt you or entangle you. The Holy Spirit knows what's going on even when you don't fully know what's going on. And so this is incredible in our process of developing as the people of God. See, this is the beautiful picture that God gives us in the scripture of walking in relationship. I don't know about you, but so oftentimes when you go on a road trip, you're like, are we there yet? Can we just get there yet? Please, I just want to be there, right? And some of us, when we have a relationship with God, we think, I just need to, I just can't wait for heaven. I just can't wait for heaven. And the reality is, no, what is really incredible is the fact that God wants to go on a journey for a lifetime with you in connecting with you and helping you grow and helping you become all that you could possibly be. And it's a process and it's a journey. And so here we find the third freedom that the Holy Spirit produces. The coach that frees us up to grow and to thrive and to not get stuck. And when we do get stuck, to help pull us out and continue on the tough journey as well. Fourth, with the Holy Spirit, we have a giver that frees us to serve. We have a giver that frees us to serve. In 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul talks about this. What are these gifts that we get from God through the Holy Spirit when we say yes to Jesus? He's talking about this with the Corinthian church. They were really confused about this. And here's the point of this, is that you're all a 10 in something. For some of us, we look around, you know, we, we see the worship team up there, and we, we see some of the people that are volunteering, and we're thinking, I could never do that. You know, I, I'm not that person, or I don't have those strengths, I don't have those gifts, I don't have those abilities. And the reality is, is that God has made you a 10 in something. Do you know what that is? That, that God wants to use you uniquely to contribute to other people's lives, to actually help all of us become better. And so the Apostle Paul talks about that, verse 7. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. 
to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. These are all gifts that God gives. To another gifts of healing. Now the phrase manifestation of the Spirit just sounds really like, whoa, what is that? That's like, it's just another way of describing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's using the, the, these gifts that the invisible presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is manifested, it is visible, it shows up when we start to exercise those gifts for the people to see and to experience. And you actually have been given gifts. Some of you don't know what those are. Some of you on the journey to following Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in and gives those gifts to you. But it frees you up to serve through the local church. Not that you have to have it all figured out to serve. I'm not saying that. But this is how the Holy Spirit shows up in the life of the church. And so Paul lists these different kind of gifts. And there's other lists elsewhere in the Bible that, that he describes. But one of the things that we do here at Mission Life is we want to help you understand what yours are. And so we do this thing called Rooted. We just had our first graduating class. It's a 10-week spiritual growth experience. We talk about that there to help people start to go and grow in their gifts. But one of the best ways to start to unpack and discover what your gifts are is to just start serving, is to say, I'm going to go ahead and volunteer. I'm going to show up and be one of the greeters. I don't have it all figured out. I'm going to be part of the setup and teardown team. So many of you have already stepped in to do that. And you start to learn, oh, I am really not good at that. I really don't like that. And let me just tell you something. Good servant hearts say yes to, to the need. But long term, we don't want you to stay there. We want to move you around to get you into the place where you, your passion, your vision, your strength, your, your gifts all connect together. And that's where you thrive. And that's where we all benefit. Now, does anyone play an instrument in here? Anybody, you play an instrument? You have played an instrument? Yeah. Okay, see, now we've already got worship auditions ready to go. This is fantastic. This is so great. So, Derek, take some notes. So, here's the deal. Even if you didn't, imagine this. Imagine you actually were a part of a symphony. And you played the violin, and you actually were amazing at it. But one of the things that you did was you just liked playing by yourself. You liked playing in your room. Oh, man, and you were amazing. The problem is, is the whole symphony misses out. The symphony is not as strong, is not as good without you there. It'll continue to go on, but it's different. And some of you are hiding your gifts. And we want to help unleash those. One of the ways in which the church will grow and thrive and be healthy and powerful is not through a necessarily a dynamic worship service or how good looking the tech team is or, or how great the facility is. The spiritual health of any church is actually determined by how many individuals are discovering and using their spiritual gifts to help build up the church and expand into our community. So here are these four freedoms that the Holy Spirit gives us. And we're thinking, well, that's great. This is a great little lesson. I'm so glad I know these four. That's awesome. What does this have to do with me? How can we now take our next step in greater freedom in our life? It's not necessarily in your notes, but I'm going to give you three words I want you to write down. And here's how we can take our next step to live in light of this freedom that God has for us. Look. Listen and live. Look, listen, and live. To live in freedom 
We can look, listen, and live. Turn to the person next to you and just, and just say, just look, listen, and live. Just look, listen, and live. That's right. That's right. Just look, listen, and live. You know, come on. That's all you need to do. Start walking in freedom. All right? But here, notice this. The Apostle Paul was addressing this very issue with the church in Galatia. And the first thing he said is to let this freedom ring in you. I want you to look for the struggle in your life, number one. Where are you struggling? Look for the struggle in your life. If you want to experience greater freedom in your life, I want you to look for where you are struggling right now. Where are you struggling? And here is something that the Apostle Paul says is an indication that you're struggling. Galatians 5.19. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing. Come on, carousers. All right? I don't even know what that means. I didn't even look that up. Okay. Anything similar. Now, look, you look at this list. I'm like, oh, yeah, that is an ugly list, right? You're like, that is an ugly list. Now, here's what's interesting about this list. We all do these things. The works of the flesh does not reference your physical body. The works of the flesh is a figurative language, is figurative language, excuse me, for the priorities of our broken and fallen nature. The priorities and the behaviors of our fallen nature. When Paul talks about the works of the flesh. So what's he saying? When you are living like the old you, before the Holy Spirit has come into your life and giving you a new nature, the old you continues to do old things, old habits, old ways of operating. And we've all done these things. But here's the issue that Paul's saying. He's just calling them what they are. He's saying these are symptoms of slavery. They're symptoms of slavery to sin. These things become idols in our life. And in the moment, we're thinking, that's where freedom is. I get to do whatever I want. This is going to make me feel better. I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to get back at that person. I'm going to sit in my despair, in my dis discouragement, and just sit in it. All of these things are symptoms of being enslaved to something. And the Apostle Paul is saying, I want you to look for the area in which you're struggling right now. And God wants to bring freedom from that. He wants you to be released from that. He wants you to walk in the freedom of his Holy Spirit at work in your lives. And so look for that struggle. Because that's the place where he wants to release you from any kind of bondage or anything. Now, when we look at this list, here's, let's be honest. How fun is it to have somebody point out all the things you're doing wrong? I was at physical therapy last couple weeks ago, and I've got a great physical therapist and all that stuff. But one of the assistants saw me doing some exercises for my shoulder, and, and she's, she paused. She was working with somebody else, and she goes this, oh, no, you're doing that wrong. And I'm like, what? what? Who are you? And, and then she's like, you got to do this. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, no, 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 no. You do that more. You need to do that more. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I'm not of athletic guy and I'm not that and I'm, I'm thinking I'm not and she kept on me and she kept on me, and I'm like whoa easy tiger I mean I was like it is not fun to get pointed out the things you're doing wrong right and we learn this in marriage and we learn this in all kinds of things right but it's like that's not very fun but here's what I want you to think about 
When we identify, when we look for the struggles in our life, here's what I want you to think about. We often think this, I'm so bad. I'm just a, I'm just a bad person. I'm, I always mess up. I wish I was more patient. I, I want to be compassionate. I want to stop looking at that. I wish I didn't act out like that. And we just start to, we feel bad. We feel bad. Here's the thing. Where that struggle is, is actually a positive sign that the Holy Spirit is at work in you to bring freedom. He loves you. But you and I do this. We're bad, we're bad, we're bad, we're bad. And the Holy Spirit, I love you. I love you. I love you. I want you to be freed from that. That stuff's holding you back. I want to free you. I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad. And then we stay stuck in this cycle, just being, beating up ourselves up. And a lot of us, let's be honest, we even hear it from good church people. You're bad, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. We all are broken and fallen people without the grace and the goodness of God's love. And so the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to free you from that. Look for the struggle. And when you look for the struggle, don't resist it. We want to resist it because we think God's saying, you're bad, you're bad. No. God is saying, I want to free you. Identify the place where you're falling into these patterns, these works of the flesh. Identify, man, why am I feeling this way? So let, let's just play this out. So let's say after hearing a hurtful comment, or maybe you were rude at work, or you're looking back at your week and you're regretting your overreaction with your kids, or you're leaving a birthday party and you're full of envy, are you enslaved? Yes, you are. There's something there that's got you connected to this pain, to this frustration, to this anger. And in those moments, because of the Holy Spirit, where we sense that struggle, we can ask in prayer, God, why am I feeling this way? We can lean into it and not fall away from it. Lean into it. God, why am I feeling this way? Will you help me, Holy Spirit? You have a helper. And he will bring to mind a scripture. If you're familiar with the Bible, he'll bring up a scripture. He'll bring up maybe an idea to pray about. He'll stir you to confess that you had actually placed your worth in the wrong thing. And he'll say, confess that. I want to free you from that. I don't want you to be bogged down with that. Look for the struggle. That's the first thing we can do to take another step in the freedom that God wants us to live in. Second, listen to his love. Listen to his love. So when you look for the struggle, you got to listen to his love. Listen. He loves you. Like I just said, if we think he's all about condemnation and just judging us, that's not biblical. You know, that guilt, that weight we feel, that's not from God. God convicts us of our sin, yes. But oftentimes the guilt, the shame that we carry is not from God. He doesn't do that. That's from something else. 
And so listen to his love. Look at Galatians 5, through 23. This is what's called the fruits of the Spirit. This is a result of when the Spirit is leading us and guiding us, how we operate. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what happens when we start attaching our hearts to the Holy Spirit's way of doing life. And when we listen to his love, we'll look at, wait a minute, this is who I want to become. This is where I want to be. I want to be more patient. I want to be more compassionate. I want to be more loving. But why can't I get there? God's like, I want to get you there. I will get you there. Listen to my love. And as he reminds you of his love, he's going to start to melt your heart with this vision in mind. It's kindness that leads us to turn from our own ways back to God. It's kindness. It's not harsh lashing out from God. You see how powerful this can be when we understand this? So instead of lashing out in anger when someone, when we want to kind of lash out in anger, he wants to fill you with the peace of Christ. Instead of acting out in lust, he, he wants to teach you and I to understand what true intimacy is actually like. Instead of being consumed by jealousy or envy of what that person has or what that person has or who that person's with, he reminds us that he owns everything. And he's your good heavenly father who gives good and perfect gifts. And he's teaching you and disciplining you in a way that shows his love for you. Do you see the difference that has when we find ourselves struggling and we know that we have a God who loves us by his Holy Spirit. And this can change everything. But looking and listening by themselves is not enough to let freedom ring true in us. We also need to live by his guidance. To live by his guidance. Galatians 5.16 says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. There again, Paul talks about this whole idea of walking. This, this relationship and keeping in step with the Spirit. So here's the point. It is impossible to disobey God when we're worshiping Him. When we are genuinely worshiping God, it's impossible to disobey Him because our hearts are fully surrendered to Him. And so he's saying, look, when you are consumed with following God, you're not going to go ahead and satisfy your old way of thinking, your old habits. You will be more and more free. And so I'm going to give you a little a little uh, tool that you can use. What does this look like to walk by the Spirit? What does it look like to actually do this and to live? Well, think about breathing. When you breathe, you breathe in oxygen and you exhale what? Carbon dioxide, right? So you exhale the impurities, you breathe in the pure oxygen, hopefully, okay? Unless you're in LA. All right, so... But the idea is this, in a very similar way with the Holy Spirit, walking by his spirit, living by his guidance, living dependent upon the spirit. It seems so ethereal and out there. And what is that? Think about it like this. As you breathe in, you breathe in the love of God. Everyone breathe in. And exhale. You exhale. Confession. Anything that is turning you away from the Holy Spirit, anything that you're struggling with, you confess it. You breathe in the love of God and you confess. And, and just you have this mindset of just like, 
I want to just be in vibrant connection with God. I'm going to breathe in his love and just confess anything that wanders away. And you start to pray like this throughout the day, just silently in your heart and your mind, and you're starting to be more aware and in tune and live by his promptings. Now, what does this mean? Well, first of all, this means this, that our most clear guidance is the Bible, is scripture and what the Bible says. But the Holy Spirit also guides us through all kinds of ways, through promptings in our spirit. So here's how this shows up in my life. When I'm more aware of the Holy Spirit and I'm more in tune and living by his guidance, I get, I get promptings. I don't necessarily hear an audible voice or anything. I know Julie Haley probably does. But, but I don't hear, I, 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 get, I get like a name. Oh, I should pray for that person. I get, a, I get a stirring to call somebody. I get a stirring, uh, maybe a, a verse comes to mind, or maybe a book reference. There's just certain things. And before, I would just ignore it and go, ah, I don't know what that is. That was just lunch. That's just all that was. But what happens is I start to realize, no, no, wait a minute. This is actually the work of the Holy Spirit who's prompting me to stay connected with God and to be used by him to help encourage other people as well. It's a journey, it's a learning, it's a process, and sometimes you make mistakes and you're like, oh no, I don't know if that was God or not, and that's okay, but it's all part of learning a life of dependence with him. Now, how long can you hold your breath? When you go swimming, uh, you know what? It's been super fun this summer, you know, my girls are getting better at swimming, and they're like, Daddy, we're gonna show you how long we can hold our breath, and they go down, and of course, it's like, what, like three seconds, and like, look at us! <laughs> And you're just going, oh my gosh, you guys are hilarious, right? It's not very long. They don't trust in their abilities to hold their breath. But as we get older, we realize, wow, I can hold my breath for a long time. This isn't a good thing in the Christian life. It's not a good thing in the Christian life. For many of us, it's been a long time since we've breathed in the love and the grace of God. And been able to confess anything that's hindering us and holding us back. The Holy Spirit is your guide to personal freedom. The Holy Spirit is your personal guide to live in freedom. God wants you and I to be free. More free than living in the United States. More free than owning things and buying things and having things more free than you can possibly imagine. And today is your opportunity to take another step in that freedom. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And here's what I want to do in our time remaining. And I've gone a little bit long. I want to apologize for that. But what I want you guys to do is this. I want you to breathe in the love of God and exhale anything in your heart that you have been struggling with. And just confess it to him and say, God, I... I've been envious, I've been struggling, I've been, I've been scared, I've been afraid. I want to hold on to control. There are things in your life that are holding me back, that are restricting me, that are giving you so much sleepless nights and causing you stress and anxiety. And God wants to free you from that. And so I want to give you a couple moments to reflect and pray and go, God, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, God, where in my life am I struggling where in my life do you want to bring greater freedom? And just pray, God, I confess this. Just take a couple deep breaths in and out. 
And so Jared is going to go ahead and play a little music in the background and give you about two minutes to kind of reflect. And then what we're going to do is we're going to invite the ushers to come forward and take the offering. Because one of the things that we do here at Mission Life is we respond back to God and we give back to God because he's so generous with us. He is an incredible giver. And so we worship him by saying, thank you, God. And we give back to him as a result of that. God doesn't need our money. It's for our own hearts to be released from the materialism of this world and to say, you know what? God, you're number one. It's not my stuff. And so we worship him in that way. We'll wrap up our time together. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the freedom that you have purchased for us through Jesus and how you give us the gift of your Holy Spirit. You want us to live with greater freedom. And so right now, I just pray that you would help us to look, to listen, and to live in light of the freedom you want for us.